Hey all, welcome back to the Soul Alignment Podcast. Thanks for being here. Cass here. Today we have a really special guest on, Felisa Romeo. She is an intuitive, a licensed marriage and family therapist, an author, and a speaker. She wrote the book, Meet Your Soul, A Powerful Guide to Connect to Your Most Sacred Self. It's one of my favorite books, and I'm so, so excited to have her on today to share her life and her wisdom with us. Welcome, Elisa. Great. Awesome. Thanks for the intro. I'm so glad you love the book. Before I tell my story, I feel like I'm kind of being guided to ask, like, what happened for you when you read it and what opened up and what you kind of discovered as you're going through the process. So your book came for me at a very perfect time. I heard about it on a podcast with Peter Kelly, and I looked it up. It just spoke straight to me. I ordered it, and I didn't even realize you were a marriage and family therapist when I bought the book, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool, because when I was in school, it felt so dry and free of anything intuition, spiritual, like we would kind of talk about it, but there wasn't as much of a place for it. And that was okay for me at the time because I was very much agnostic. Um, I believed in the idea of intuition, but and probably was kind of like, there's something beyond what I understand, but I don't know what that is. And I was kind of jaded from growing up in the Christian religion and just kind of like the thing, the limitations within that that didn't align with my soul. And when I left work, it was very much from a soul decision when I left my, when I chose to leave my current job and pursue more of a holistic healing, I, it was very much from the place of my soul, like that inner knowing, but I didn't know, I wouldn't have called it that at the time. And we actually named Soul Alignment before I found your book, um, before I even really understood the concept of soul alignment, um, which, you know, will continue to go deeper every year. So I don't want to say I didn't understand the concept, but before soul alignment means what it does to me now, which I think is just part of that magic of the universe, synchronicity. Um, there are no mistakes. You know, I don't believe that there are coincidences. I believe that we ask for things and they come to us. And sometimes they come to us in very beautiful synchronistic ways when we're alive, or when we're awake to honor and see them and welcome them in. And I think sometimes they come to us in very painful ways um, if, say, we are ignoring our soul. And my transition was pretty painful because my ego is very much invested in what I was doing. Um, so it was painful to leave it because I was ignoring what I really truly wanted for quite a while by the time I left. Um, but your book really truly gave me languaging and a way to understand and work with that part of myself and go deeper with a part of myself. It's a reference that I open regularly. It was a really easy read for me. Um, I was like, you know, just kind of like, hands up, so excited, uh, aligning with every part. And I love that you get into, um, in your own work, just kind of shamanic work as well as Carl Jung and the work of Marion Woodman. All so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my passion is, is where psychology and spirituality like make out, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And I think like a lot of um, people that are drawn to me are particularly like women empaths with big hearts and big visions and missions Mm -hmm. and are looking for practical grounded tools of like how to just go forward and really surrender to the soul and get devoted and melt the ego so that the ego is serving as a function of soul instead of a, a conflict of soul. So the point of the book is really like, it was basically like, I life <laughs> based on um, the experience that I've had where I've been pulled behind the veil and kind of felt like I saw the rules to the Monopoly game. And then when I came back down into the game, I didn't want to forget the plan or the rules. And I think it's so tempting as humans and our egos. Like I deal with it all the time too, of like making sure that I'm surrendering and the ego's consistently dying to its own plan and opening to the bigger love plan. Right. And it sounds so like, woohoo, that sounds awesome, you know, in theory, but mm. it's, it's a lot emotionally um, and energetically to do that really well. And I think a lot of people tell me, I love your book. I love Meet Your Soul. And then I say, oh, have you been soul journaling? Because that's really the thing that is the game changer. If, mm. if it's a concept or if it's actually like penetrating into your life and changing everything. And sometimes people are like, no, because like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know. I'm scared what she's going to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I like feel like I'm making it up. Like right. I feel kind of crazy if I'm doing that. And it's like, that's actually where the magic happens. Right. All that discomfort from all those things is where the game starts to really change. Yeah. So I'm so glad you're soul journaling because it's not always easy to continue and stay with it. But I feel like in my life, the number one spiritual practice that has been the massive game changer to bring me into soul alignment, you know, like yeah. talking about not just manifestation, but actually living and breathing the physical reality of my soul in terms of people, places, and things would be soul journaling. So yes. when people ask me, how can I manifest a man or how can I get, you know, correct in my career and aligned in a way that feels really me, I just say soul mm-hmm. journaling, soul journaling, soul journaling, because she will tell you um, if you're asking good questions and if you don't stop talking to her, it will all come through that, that format. Yeah. And I think so, so often like, um, my ego will like listen to them and like my ego is like on board with this, right. Cause my ego wants to help me to suffer less, but it'll kind of take a note from her and be like, okay, okay, we got this. We got this. And like the, it will exist in my mind as something that I don't necessarily need to check back in with in that space. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. but I'm outside of that space. So like I do actually still have to go back down and check totally. in. It's endlessly fascinating <laughs> the difference between beta and theta state in the brain. And I can never get over it because I'll be like, this is so smart. This is such a good idea. This is what I'm going to do now. And then when I ask Sophia, my soul, sometimes she's like, nope, that's not what you're doing. It's going to be over here. And then you're like, but I just spent like three days planning this thing and spending all this time to do the thing. And, um, and she was really, really loud to me while I was writing Meet Your Soul about a billion things, but a lot about like that whole book was written in prayer of like, okay, psychically looking at the audience and deliberately editing from a multidimensional place of how can I really get the audience to be energetically receiving their souls as I'm writing, using the words as a conduit 
for an energetic and spiritual experience because I didn't want it to be, oh, another book that I like and agree with about soul on my shelf, you know? Yeah. I wanted it to be like, people are crying, people are yes. feeling, people are moved, and they can't avoid their soul, because that's really why I'm on the planet. The goal. Um, yeah. What does, like, that kind of, what does soul journaling, like, kind of look like? Soul journaling is just basically having a conversation with your higher self on paper or on the computer. I like to do the computer sometimes because she talks so fast. I can't always yeah. write. Like I do have one. Um, I did an Instagram post the other day because I was showing like, here's my journal that I love that I've used forever. It's like a leather outside. And then I change out the inserts and it's like so it just feels like soul to me. It feels magic. It's mm. got like gold embossing. And sometimes you just want like, you know, to cuddle with a blanket and your cocoa and like by the fire and write by hand. But 90% of the time I'm on my computer, just like I have three word documents that are all like thousands of pages from over the years. I started 23 years ago, soul journaling. So oh I was God. like about um, 19 and just had a, horrible breakup and was really kind of like lightly suicidal, <laughs> like basically not like with an action plan or intent, but that feeling of like, I don't care. Yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. Like, what's the point? Like nothing is right. whatever, you know, really, really lost. And that's when I first started getting into the work of Marion Woodman, which you mentioned earlier. And she's a Jungian psychotherapist out of um, Toronto. She passed away actually this last year, which was a big thing for me because she yeah. was like a second mom but um her work was like really transformational in terms of starting to trust the imagination as a portal to the deeper self and to the psyche instead of it being just your imagination you know yeah like, mm -hmm. something to minimize oh just just your imagination which is kind of how I was raised because my dad was a biochemist my mom was a mathematician and then yeah. I was this natural little mystic that was like having these weird mystical experiences from like my earliest memory was having an out-of-body experience at Montessori when I was probably around six Wow! Um, and floating. We were doing a meditation. They're like, we're going to meditate, you know, and they put on peaceful classical music and we're all right. laying on our mats and, and I start like floating above my body and I look down wow. at all the kids. And then I like go down sinking through the ground to start to head to the lower world. And then the meditation's over. And then we sit in the circle and they're like, how was that for everybody? And everybody's going around. I feel peaceful, you know? And I was like, I floated to the top and saw these people and like this whole thing. And they all looked at me like, you're crazy. Like, this is insane. <laughs> wow. And I remember the teachers being like, okay. Um, <laughs> And immediately getting the messaging, like, there's something weird and scary about this to people. We don't talk about right. this in public. And kids are so smart with that. They can sense, like, where the matrix, matrix lies, you know, in the room. Totally. So then I just kind of had, like, many, many, many children. <laughs> These things happen in private and alone with no one to talk to. Um, and uh, that went on for till I was 17 and then my parents bought pretty much as like a joke <laughs> a, <laughs> a psychic reading um to a woman who lived on this little island where I'm back again now where I grew up and um and she 
my parents went to the Unitarian church and they were having like a church Christmas auction. So all the donations, people donate things to go to the church. So my parents were like at that and she had donated an intuitive psychic reading and she did energy work. And, um, my parents were like, Oh, the money's going to church. We'll get that for Lisa. This will be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went over to her house. I talk about this in my first book, authentic intuition, where I go over to her house and, I'm 17, you know, and I don't know when you're 17, you kind of, I felt like I was just like, you know, top of the school. Like I know what's up, like of all Too you know, cool like, for school. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know how the world works. I'm 17, yeah. you know, like I'm going to just go take it on and just rock it. Very inflated. And I'm sitting in her studio and she's like, here's some tissues. And I come sit down and I'm like, this woman's crazy. She thinks I'm going to be crying here today. And, <laughs> um, and then she, I sit down and she starts to proceed with like, the most intimate and detailed like stories that's going on between my boyfriend at the time and um and it freaked me out so much like I went into like paranoia I was like are you spying on me like right how do you know this information like it literally made absolutely no sense for how I understood the world that she could access this information um and this is before you know like google and stuff was a thing this was like 1990 four or five around then. Um, I think we had internet, but I don't know. Nobody I knew was really using it. Um, (laughs) That was when it took like, you know, 20 minutes to load a page. I'm probably older than you guys. You guys might not even know what I'm talking about, but I remember going to UW and like, you'd like load a page for school. It'd be like 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then ethernet, which was so ahead of the time back then. Oh my God. Um, So that totally freaked me out. And she was like, and then I was like, how are you getting this information? And she's like, from your spirit guides. And I was like, what's a spirit guide? She's like, like these entities that are like on your side that are with you at all times. And I was like, what? There's like energies or like the whole thing just felt like insane to me. Um, Yeah. It's like so big and far away at that point. Yeah. And I was like, literally at that time, my paradigm was like, is she schizophrenic? Like, like that, that was the only way I could conceive of like anything happening. But she was also saying things that were like verifiably Fine. true. So I was like, okay, something's happening here. I'm just not going to think about it. And then I didn't think about, she gave me an audio tape and I left. Um, and then everything she said that was going to happen with my relationship happened. <laughs> and then I went to UW, University of Washington, studying psychology and speech communications. But I started out pre-law because I wanted to be like Allie McBeal because I thought she was like amazing. <laughs> and um, so I, uh, yeah, was really disheartened with the psychology program there because it was like you were saying, like, they mentioned Jung as like a joke in class, like, oh, that's airy fairy guy who's just delusional because he's not like really into rats and mazes, you know, like, like lost, <laughs> lost his mind at the end there. Yeah, exactly. When like the Red Book is amazing and Philemon. And, yeah, like, when everything he really came through that. opened up. Yeah, he started to open up to that world. It was like, whoa, so cool. And when you think about like what Jung accessed as one individual, it's like insane. Like to even understand temperament types, anima, animus, like I I could go on and on. Like his understanding. time and like the time that he was, that was not. No kidding. And like alchemy and like, I mean, it's insane. Like, yeah, he's, I talk to his spirit a lot actually, but that's probably a whole nother show. (laughs) I guess, oh, re- cool. Because a lot of his 
theories have expanded since his his time and place, oh, that's obviously. So amazing. I so um, he was actually I took a course outside of my curriculum that was a Jungian dream analysis course for outside of like the curriculum for marriage and family therapy. And that cracked open just like a whole it was like someone let loose a dam because it was like, wait, are you telling me all this stuff that has been educated out of me? Like yeah, actually has exactly. a, has a place in academia like this is so exciting and cool and like I don't even know what to do to digest this right now. it's like that started everything for me yeah it's and to be able to kind of access the idea of the collective unconscious like for the first time in that way that's like so descriptive yeah, and so cool yeah and I think that's why he did kind of you know that period when he was playing with stones and on the beach why he's building his tower near the end of his life I think you know he really felt I think the edges of of what's known as kind of like normalness you know I think he was riding that edge of like falling yeah. into the collective and um knew instinctually to ground down with stones which is really interesting because I talked to a lot of people when they're in grief and there is this just natural way, you know, to kind of like reclaim yourself. Like I spoke with a woman the other day who she had a stillbirth and afterwards it was like instinctual where she wanted to cover her body in rose petals and just like, mm -hmm. like ritualize her body. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get primal and instinctual and like really connected to the elements again, like when we need to, when our psyche's like, Hey, you know, mm -hmm. hunker down mm -hmm. and reclaim right, something totally. here. So yeah, I was, um, so that was college. And then I think, yeah, I think, well, then the next big thing that happened is I had a wart on my niece, freshman or sophomore, I think it was freshman year of college and it had spread. So I had shaved this wart when I was shaving my legs and it spread. So then I had like 35 warts on my left leg and I went to the doctors over and over and they burned it off with that nitrogen, whatever it is. Um, and so then they did that so many times that then I had scarring, third degree scarring from all the burns. So I'm like freshman in college, UW, feel like a leper, won't wear shorts or skirts. Um, and out of desperation, go back to this woman, Tracy, who was the initial person who did the psychic reading on me. And I oh. said, I, I know you do this stuff called energy work. Like, I don't know if you can do anything about these warts, but like the doctors can't. So give it a shot. <laughs> And um, she, I'm laying on her massage table as she starts running energy over my knee. And I immediately start going into trance. And this was the first time that it was really active, engaged, like visual. So my eyes started fluttering like REM sleep. And I start seeing these really clear pictures coming before me. And at first, it was like almost like looking through a tunnel where you're like, I'm not sure what I'm seeing, but I can see light. And then Tracy's like, I see you're going into trance. What are you seeing? And I was like, I don't know. And then I literally was like a chicken with tennis shoes on because it felt like I was like reaching, but like trying to begin this process. And I was like, what uh -huh. is happening? And then as I'm saying that, suddenly this incredible white tiger just appears like two feet away, like living, breathing, like as if I'm seeing anything physically in front of me. And... I was conscious I wasn't in a dream state. So it was like really weird because I was like, I'm hallucinating. Like I am, this is, I'm seeing this thing. <laughs> it's this thing here. I'm awake. I'm, I'm, I know I'm not sleeping, you know? Um, and then the tiger, which felt familiar, just like dove through my face, 
dove through my heart and dragged, grabbed and dragged my consciousness down to the lower world. And I had an instantaneous shamanic soul retrieval, which at the time I didn't know what that was or had never even heard about that. Like the lower right. world, I'd never even heard that term. So I went to the lower world, met all these like power animals who were telling me about what was going on with me. And the messaging was like, each wart is a mini trauma held in my body and I need to release it from my body emotionally. Mm. And I'm learning to love myself warts and all. And so, oh my gosh, and, so cool. And I remembered all these memories about like in seventh grade when this boyfriend told me I had ugly hairy legs and like all these little things that were like, that's not a big deal. But my body had interpreted like, that's a trauma. That's a trauma. That's a trauma. Right. Um, and the way I said that felt like Oprah, you get a car, you get a car. Get a car. <laughs> um, and so then I come out of the trance six hours later and, and she's waking me up like, Elisa, I've got to go catch a fairy. Like she had to like leave. And I was like, how long have I been here? You know? And it was so disorienting that I was just like, what's happening? I remember coming, driving home and just being like, what was that? And then the next day, the warts were gone, wow. and in a couple weeks, the third-degree burns were gone. And it was whoa, a couple of weeks. A couple weeks, and they told That's me I would so have those wild. for like life. So then I go soon after that to go live in Italy for a year, and then it just like my sight blew up. So then I was just like seeing tons of stuff psychically, um, and auras. I could see like so much stuff. I didn't know what it was or how to deal with it. One of the things I remember happening in Italy is my sister had just got married and I'd helped with the wedding and I'm on a pay phone. I don't even know if they have pay phones in Italy anymore, but I was on a pay phone talking to my sister and I, she's like, I got you a present for hanging out, you know, helping with the wedding. And um, I was like, oh my God, I love it. And I could see it in my head. And I was like, it's silver and it alternates garnets and pearls. It's so beautiful. And she was like, what? Like, how do you yeah. know this bracelet? And I'm like, I don't Whoa. know. I just see it, you know? So there was Whoa. like this merging Whoa. happening between like the third dimension and fourth and fifth. And, um, and so then I came back and started studying with Tracy and learning like how to ground and work my chakras and aura work and maintain my energy and raise my vibration to hold consciousness in a higher dimension and all those kinds of things. Um, graduate from from UW, decide like, okay, I didn't love that psychology experience. So my next school, I'm going to really, really, really love. So I found Pacifica Graduate Institute, which was, they have a counseling program for people interested in Jungian studies and somatic work. And that's down in um, Carpentry outside Santa Barbara. So I signed up for that school, started working at a suicide line to just get practice and counseling. I was waitressing at the time and realized I'm so much more comfortable working on a suicide line. Like, I can't handle if people are like, give me my coffee and they're pissed. But if somebody is like, I have a gun to my head, I don't know if I should be alive. Like, I'm actually really comfortable in that conversation. <laughs> like, I feel like I love, mm. I love talking to people about what's real for them and what's emotional, what's up. And um, it's really natural for me to do that. So then I was like, okay, I think I'm like really like set up to do this type of work and and then down at Pacifica was my next big kind of awakening where I had just left um, the class that I was doing with the, the it was a joint professor class with Stan Groff, who's also known as Stanislav Groff, G-R-O-F. And he's known as the head of the transpersonal psychology movement 
And he wrote a book mm -hmm. called Spiritual Emergence, which was really useful for me at the time because it talked, literally there was actually like one of his descriptions in a tiger. So I was like, oh. this is, this is totally what happened to me. And then, um, and he did it with his buddy, uh, Richard Tarnas, who's also an amazing, they're both so amazing, all their work. And Stan now uses um, holotropic breath work. So different types of breath work to um, create the altered state and move people cool. through there. So, so I had just left his class and I was like, and they were talking about rebirthing, which is like how you come into the world affects your relationship to change. Like if you had an easy birth and you felt confident about your first initiation into the world, that affects your psychology in a certain way. And I was like, I don't even know if I believe that. That's kind of weird. I don't know. And then I'm on the lawn uh, at Pacifica and my friend, David, who's like a body worker and very intuitive, notices I'm kind of going into a trance. And he's like, you're going into like a trance state. Do you want to like go in the back room and let this happen? And I really trusted him. I was like, okay. So then this was like the biggest thing that's happened into my life was I went back there and I had, I left my body. I like laid down. And I left my body and I saw my physical body have my rebirthing, like what my birth was like first coming out of my mom and how that did affect my personality. And then I saw um, just a whole bunch of trauma that I was releasing from my body. And then I was thrust out and I went up and started to have this life review. And a life review is when you like see your life as a movie so far, but from like an emotional place and also from other people's perspectives. So it's like, a very intense and bizarre experience, um, but very, very clarifying. So I was seeing Elisa's life from my soul and seeing how is Elisa doing? How is she living from love or fear every day? Is she aligned with the greater energy that created her or is she not? Where are those places? Yeah. Let's get her clear on that. And then I saw how we all do this. We all incarnate to become our higher selves and bring that love energy down into the physical plane. And we have tests every day, tests of forgetting, tests of, try. you know, it's like, it's kind of like the task is to re-remember in every moment where love is and to find the courage mm. to like anchor that in the body. And it sounds, you know, everybody's like, choose love over fear, choose love over fear. But it's hard and it, it gets really right. confusing because we have so many sub personalities within us and traumas and right. all of that. So, so when I came back into my body, I was full on like hearing everybody's souls as I walked around and like really overwhelmed. And I kind of hid for a while, um, like six months actually in my parents' basement. So I wrote my master's thesis and, um, and tried to integrate all the energies that had happened and, the, my master's thesis was actually like the first version of meet your soul. And it was like, what's the difference between projection and intuition? Because when you're in a, a psychological projection, you really feel like, you know, something, but it's, a di it has different energetic qualities than mm, when you're yeah. getting intuitive information. And I really wanted to know that. So I wasn't deceiving myself or anyone else to like, you know, cause I was obsessed with this idea of intuition, a different way of knowing. And, um, so yeah, so that was that's kind of the root of everything in the book in Meet Your Soul was just like I really got clear I want practical grounded tools for my ego so I can reconnect to that love place in me, that soul love and just 
you know, make sense of my life. I'm a Capricorn, so I'm also like super efficient. So it's like part of my goal was just like on my next life review, I want to feel like I nailed it. Like I didn't waste time. I wasn't like <laughs> effing around down here, but I actually like just did what I came to really do. So that's actually how I, I um, assess success every day is like today, how stoked am I going to be about this day on my life review? You know, uh, yeah, that's a really yeah. cool way of looking at that. Well, it, yeah. it does change things because it's less about like, does that person like me? Does that person understand me? Does that, you know, any of that? And it's more like, how does my soul feel about, about it? Yeah, that's such a good anchor too. Like, because, and it's so funny because distinguish between like your soul and other voices like wounds or ego or projection or whatever. It's interesting because like soul for me is always just so simple she like is very clear and simple and then like ego and stuff there's always like stories and <laughs> yeah just like large construction of like this is why this makes sense and then it's like Shh, don't look over there don't look over there yeah, exactly nothing to see nothing to see you can <laughs> you can see it in people when I, when my clients are sitting with me you can see when they're connected to the soul it looks like a golden tube coming down anchoring into their seventh chakra it's flowing their chakras are all lighting up it's aligned in the center of the spine. And when someone's an ego, it's more in the analytical mind in between the temples in the front of the head. And it's like they're reaching forward for information mm -hmm. instead of receiving. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it, there's a lot of somatic feedback for sure. When it, it's, it's good to start thinking also for yourself, like where do I literally feel the energy as I'm thinking? Like where am I thinking from? Is it my right temple? Is it my pineal gland? You know, is it is it over at mom's house? <laughs> like where where is <laughs> where's the center? I saw on your website the term spiritual midwife and I like really, really connected to that and I love that. Um can you just like tell us a little bit about that term? Yeah, the, that I mean, that's literally what it is. Like when, yeah. when we do our uh, retreats in the summer and people fly out from around the world and we meet in our barn where I am right now and um, we sit around in a big circle and we activate soul and what starts to happen is a birthing process in the physical bodies where people start having contractions, sometimes literally in the uterus, sometimes mm -hmm. energetically. Sometimes they get nauseous. It's like full on birthing and right. there's waves. And as the love body starts to descend down further and further, more and more expanding out into the body, when big love comes in the body, it activates big fear anywhere you've been identified as not that. So it often mm. is kind of dramatic and emotional to, um, because we're doing embodied work. We're not like, we're going to alter our brain state on the top of the mountain and get real chill and peaceful and then come crashing down, going back up and down like Ram Dass complained about and um, be here now, you know, like getting tired of like going up, coming down, going up, coming down. Um, totally. But bringing it into the body is a different, um, sometimes violent <laughs> process. And, um, and that's why we resist it. And soul journaling is a lighter but yet doing the same thing energetically practice. Like a lot of times when people say, how can I prepare for one of your retreats? I'll say soul journal, because if you're resisting her in your journal, you're definitely going to feel you're resisting her when she's physically trying to enter the body. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot so of sense. So it prepares the physical container. I see soul journaling even less about getting psychic information and more about here's a chance to up your 
cohesive vibration of the body of sustaining that big soul energy. And it's just like a muscle that we have to like Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And it becomes like a little bit more familiar for me. And I was just thinking about the soul embodying. And I wonder if, so for me, when I really connect to my emotion, like I would call it my emotional body, um, I get this sensation and I've had several times in really deep work where I'm releasing like a, like an old wound that was really contained and had never like expressed, um, itself. I get this sensation of like rolling waves up my body. Like literally it goes from my root chakra all the way up through my throat. And it feels like it's like pouring out kind of like, like you said, kind of like there's like a convulsion, like different waves of it. Um, and I literally have to kind of almost make that like I'm not like I'm throwing up, but like there's a way, like I'm letting a wave out if I oh, just yeah. let my body naturally do that. So is that, yeah, what, like, is that it, kind of what? Definitely. And I think just like actual birth, I have two sons. And when you go through physical birth, it's the same thing of like, you can kind of spin out in pain and emote and that's not serving the birth. So you could be emotional, but it can be not productive to the movement of the life force energy that's trying Mm -hmm. to descend or release. But then there's another way when you're birthing to get on top of the wave where you're like riding the wave instead of being like taken out by the overtow, you know, um, getting garage sales or whatever. And so I did hypnobirthing with my babies and that was super useful for psychological birthing too, of just like how to find yourself when there's great pain happening. Um, When I met my husband and twin flame, when we came together, we had all the stuff get activated between us. That was really intense. That was, was coming up to be cleared. Um, and at that time, things got really heightened spiritually. We were seeing tons of, like, beings. We were talking to Jesus and Mary Magdalene, like, showing up in our apartment and getting guidance. Like, all these things that I was like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> and one of the things that happened at that time is Sophia came in in a new dose in my body in a bigger way. And I remember the night I was kind of, like, irritated, almost, like, bitchy PMS-ish energy. And I felt she was, like, hunting me like she was like I'm coming for you I hope you're enjoying this righteous egoic trip you're on because (laughs) it's about to go down and um and then it was later at night and I could feel her come around the outside of my aura and I know her well so just to preface for people out there that I can tell the difference between other entities and energies and her and I think that's important because you actually Mm -hmm. don't want to let other spirits in your body but if it's your soul it's a different type of a thing because it's you um yeah it's just a little (laughs) little PSA right there uh but then so I felt her coming around and then and I was talking to her in my head and and then she was just like open 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 I was like no 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 it was so funny how I went into this tantrumy like three-year-old like like and I could my ego is almost like watching myself like this is ridiculous what you're doing right now you know but (laughs) there's it just happens it's just I know exactly to be clear you know and and I'm watching myself say these like ridiculous things and Adam's staring at me like oh boy and uh and then (laughs) 
the love just starts penetrating and penetrating in, and I'm screaming, fuck you, fuck you, Tara. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. F you, F you. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, I'm flicking her off. I'm biting a towel, white towel so hard I have blood coming from my gums out. This is pretty intense. <laughs> don't worry, you guys. This isn't going to happen to the to the average person. I'm like, buy me your soul. You can lay in bed and, like, scream and swear while your, like, teeth are bleeding. Um, but... But then on the other side, this incredible love wave crashes in. It's the relief. It's the, it's mm. like they talk about when you're identified as the sugar cube, but then you go into the water. Now you're, you still are the sugar cube, but you're in a different form. You're like sugar in the water. You're bigger. You're expanded. And so yeah. the sugar cube fights for its identity. Like, I'm a sugar cube. What's happening? <laughs> I'm a sugar cube, you know? Um, but then you reset in your new state and you're like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so mm, much yeah. like bigger and expanded. Um, and so those are kind of also like contractions, I feel like, like soul contractions. Right. And I think I see the soul as your sainted self. It's you as a saint. So it's kind of like, we're not like done that. until we're sainted. A lot of times people are say like, why do you have the soul be a different name than like the egoic name? Like, can I just say Elisa? It's like, no, because she's different. She's not the, you know, acclimation of all of the traumas and dramas in this particular lifetime she's you between all the lifetimes you know um so it has a different vibrational imprint and i think that deserves to have its own name its own right. symbol yeah i and i think like it's so cool to hear you talking about your experience because i had a very i don't know just like it's it, i think it's important to talk about that process and how it, painful it can be too like it's it's hard. And I think once you, once ever I like up against like a really old wound and it was triggered by my husband, of course, because relationships mm -hmm. have a wonderful yeah. way of evolving us oh, and boy. connecting us back. Yep. So like, I, um, I remember cause my ego was just in it with the stories and the shame and the fear and the not worthy and the, and like, I remember when it broke, something just like entered me and I just started sobbing. Mm -hmm felt before mm -hmm. that and um when it was over i that wound was just like it was gone it Isn't was that amazing? it's like and i was like out. wait yeah. what this is possible i think we jump right to that edge of that cliff right and we're fighting it so hard and i think so many times because it's so painful and we don't know that it's just like if you walk through it will transform yeah. Sometimes we, cl we close it right back up right there and we store it as like, definitely don't go near that again. Or like, yeah, it's hard to sit and it takes spiritual maturity, which we're not great at as a society. We're more like, I want to feel good. I mean, look what sells spiritually, like all of the high right. vibe and like manifestation stuff sells a lot more than like, hey, do you want to really actually face your shit and know yourself? It will be really? so worth it, but it doesn't have the same type of marketing vibe. <laughs> You know, right. right. So like kind of along the same line, like for people that are going to be listening to this that feel, you know, like maybe connected to it, but like almost have no idea where to start. Like, how do you even 
begin with something like this? I would, I mean, Meet Your Soul is the guidebook. Like, that's what I would say. (laughs) Of course, I'd say that. But, like, it literally is, walks you through it. Like, the first chapter is just like, hey, let's start explaining really what ego and soul is. Life wish and death wish. How you can really tell when you're connected or when you're tripping out. At the back of each chapter, I've got Mm. just, like, exercises. There's free meditations on my website. Um, to just start to play with yourself. Who are you as an energy outside of the ego is basically who you think you are, your personality, right. your list of likes and values. Cause some people don't even really get that part. Like that we are multidimensional. You are more than you think you are is like a crazy concept for some, that was crazy okay. for me, you know, at 17 of that first time with Tracy when I was like, what? Like, um, <laughs> so once we start to realize there is more that we can access and use to like, embed our life with meaning and joy and purpose, then it's exciting. Then we get hungry for it. And then we get less neurotic because we're like, you can't, wild horses can't keep me from talking to Sophia. You know, like I, she is my everything, you know, and then everything that's been anything in my life has come through her portal. That's because true love and happiness is going to be her version of that, your soul's version. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love what that. you were saying about relationships before is so true. And so my husband and I, um, his name's Adam Foley, and he does this type of work as well. And through our relationship, we've learned so much about the soul, but also the masculine feminine dynamic and how that works energetically. So we're writing a book right now that is meet your soul for relationships. And so it's like how you can in the relationship, not just react ego to ego, but actually use the portal of the relationship as like a spiritual development tool to grow both of your souls and incarnate it through the relationship. So we're super excited about all the material that's been coming through. So I love your story about that. That's awesome. That's some really cool. That's I'm excited for that. That's awesome. I have a quote from you here that I really loved um, about like reconnecting to your soul and your energy. You said to feel who you are between your thoughts. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that just like struck me so big because that like when I got into nature, I noticed my thoughts a lot more and then I noticed they're not me. And so like that resonates hard, just like who I am between the Mm. energy, you actually aren't your thoughts. It's so wild. And I think that's why people really freak out about meditation. You know, (laughs) I think like why people are like, I want to meditate, but like something in me is like, I would rather get a root canal than meditate because (laughs) it is very revealing and it's such a like vulnerable naked feeling to like, it's dropping the baggage. And I think, you know, my husband was talking to me and I had a client last week come in and she was talking about, she had just done a 10 day Vipassana silent retreat. um, I haven't done one, but yeah, I know I haven't either, but it was fun to look at it psychically and energetically what she went through. And then my husband had been through one. So there was a lot of similarities what they were both saying, but what they both said is like day one, I was like, cool, cool. I can do this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Meditation. And then day two, it's like, (laughs) oh my God, this is crazy. This is serious. Like, am I kind of a crazy person? Cause you start to really (laughs) see your thoughts. Day three, she's like, I might be mentally ill. Like I really am sick <laughs> with my thoughts. Like I'm feeling crazy. And then day five, she's like, how can I escape? She's like, I think I can get in the truck of the gardener. Cause it was like one of those, like out, out in nowhere, you know, like, like desperate to oh leave. and then gets through that like moment. And then right. there's like a, like, okay, okay. 
I can do this. This is still hard, but like, I'm not going to go mentally insane. And then, um, and then by the end of it, really an integration happening of like, oh, I feel this new place within me that's anchored now. And I really know myself is not thought. And I'm going to start to try to live that outside of here and change my life and then bringing the practice to life. And, um, my husband said a very similar thing. And for him, because he's so wild and trippy like me, like, <laughs> like very, very close to living behind the veil, he said, like, he started to, he was focusing on his breath under his nose, like on the exhale, the exhale. And then he started to feel sensorily just how intense that was. And then all his focus was going to the physical part. And then that physical buzzing, tingling expanded through his whole body. And he was realizing how he was interconnected, like kind of like a mushroom trip, but naturally. And then, (laughs) and then he's like, I was feeling all the organs in my body and started healing his spleen and all these things from the life force energy, because he's just very somatic how he works. And I have that store, I have that feel like when I've meditated, when I went to my psychic program, which was like psychic horizons in San Francisco, it's a three and a half year training program for intuitive work, like clairvoyant training. Um, we were meditating 20 hours a week there. So that was like a lot of meditation, but it was guided, visual, active, you know, so it's kind of different than Vipassana. But when I have done it, go into nature, you know, and get quiet, it's so shocking how heavy and loud our average, just like thought process and vibe is, you know, and I, and it's so nice to get a break from that. So you can really like start to make choices instead of just being defaulted into the noise. Yeah. And when I'm like defaulted in that noise, I'm also bought into all my stories. So it's so nice to like step back and, and drop the baggage off and be like, Oh wait, that's separate from me. Even though I will put it back on without knowing sometimes like it's, so nice to have a break from it and just to see it as separate yeah it's it's major and I think there's also just like so many other energies like we literally don't see the signal from like the tv going into the tv or the radio but there's just also like that vibration from friends and family and strangers and walking in the city um I've gotten so sensitive to energy because I live on this little island around five acres in the woods with like deer and coyotes and that now when I go into the city in Seattle, it's quite an experience. I have to do a lot. I have to do quite a bit of like energetic just preparation because I'm so used to being so open. Uh, it's so cool. And I think it's awesome because uh, we do live in kind of like a scientific paradigm still, like largely driven by proof. So it's so cool to see because it's like what healers have been talking about for so long that is now actually starting to break its way into the mainstream I think because we're seeing all this like miraculous healing that we never thought was possible yeah and I I have had so many clients in my own experiences that Adam had his own of like when you start to talk to your soul she knows exactly where to work and how to work energetically she'll guide you to heal your stuff I have a client who's healed all his allergies just from soul journaling and energy work that's due to what he got from the information it's it's really crazy what we can all access there's a good so cool yeah it's it's amazing i literally don't know how people function without their souls because i'm so reliant on it at this point like if i don't know where to park i'll psychically ask sophia she'll tell me (laughs) a a spot will open up like i use it for my kids what's going on with my four-year-olds why is he you know in a mood today i'm constantly getting information on a soul level of practical life and it's so useful that is so cool. 
it's great to hear too that you're like it's still so useful and it will never not be and yeah um I love how practical your book is as well as just like it's enjoy it was so enjoyable for me to read like you could tell it was channeled just because it was so easy to like flow through in a way like you wanted like it just every part you're connecting with and like I felt like, yes, yes, yes. Like, fine. like you're saying exactly like what I'm experiencing. This is so cool. That's awesome. Sometimes there's a timing to the book I've had. I have a, a friend, she's a psychic medium and she read, uh, she read it four years ago. And she's like, when I read it, it felt kind of like intellectual and dense and kind of heavy and I didn't get it. And then she's like, and then she went through like a big spiritual opening in the last few years. And she's like, I read it again a year ago and she's like, and I was like crying and totally like, yes, for every <laughs> sentence. So it's kind of also like, for sure, there's a timing on a place. Yeah. 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 And just really trusting cool. that, you know, like, is your soul into it at the time? Like me, or I mean, are you able okay. to receive it? Like maybe your soul's trying to crack are something you, open before. Well, that, I or... usually tell people if they feel like they can't like relate to it, just put it next to your bedside and let it work you energetically. Like, I have a client oh, who has yeah. it under her pillow because then you're getting the energetic microdoses to kind of help you start to get ready for the bigger work. It's all a process, you know. I used totally. to do that with my notes before big exams. When I that's all. Cool. That's great idea. That's genius. <laughs> I was convinced it worked. I I'm sure know. it did. I mean, you're getting energetically dosing in the material. That's really cool, though. That's such a great idea. When I was in, this is like a side story, but when I was in high school, I had this thing, the psychic thing where I would in geometry know the answer, but have no idea how I did the problem because I'd just be yeah. getting the psychic information. So I'd be like 10.82. And then the teacher would be like, great, now I'll show your proof. And I'd be like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea how that <laughs> happened. And maybe but I was it's like more this- miraculous. But anyways, <laughs> so he thought I was cheating and he had me come after right, school and he watched me, stared at me as I like did it over and over and over with like no way to explain it. And he was like, okay, whatever. Oh <laughs> <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. You win. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Quistorf, who's laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is so cool. Um well, awesome. I mean, thank you so much for doing this with us. This has been, it's been really cool to kind of, I, I also like have to say, I love how like lighthearted and human you are about it all because like it can be very, you know, I mean like this, how you mentioned how your client was talking about how it seemed like she's trying to connect to it. Right. Like before she dives in and I feel like it's something that could be like seemingly unreachable for somebody, but I think like just the, the way your energy with it is like, is awesome. And, um, it makes it like very, very real kind of, you know? Well, thank you. I, I always like to say, it's one of my favorite phrases, like the divine is too serious to be taken so seriously. (laughs) You know, it's like, we are humans and we're all ridiculous. We all have stuff we're working on. Like <laughs> it's just good and laugh. You we know? all have egos that love. <laughs> yeah. To- we all have egos. We're dismantling. <laughs> it's just like bring some comedy to the situation. If people are too like, Oh, serious. Like it freaks me out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what are you hiding? Like something feels persona about this. Let's make it. Ego is much more serious. I think than the soul is a lot of times. Cause she's totally usually, like unworried about things. And exactly. my ego's like, all serious and like exactly. this needs to be this way yeah exactly so- and I used to think anything sacred was serious and then I was like after my dad died and I was sitting in the middle of the biggest grief I'd felt the the most healing thing was humor and comedy and lightness yeah. so I was like 
no, this is divine. This is amazing. Totally. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's light. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it was so wonderful having yeah, you on. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your resources. Yeah. She has some incredible resources on her website. Um, and like, just, I liked the videos. I love all the meditations that you have for free. That's so great. Yeah. Um, I think like, if, if some, if people are looking for one thing to kind of get a, a good intro is the awakening from the heart video that I have on my YouTube channel. Yeah. Then you can really feel what's happening with the soul birthing and see it. And that was such a beautiful video. I mean, for me, I, I really loved reading just like, even just your about section on your website, I felt like so much more connected to like what this is and what it's all about and um, kind of your soul almost because it comes through so well in the writing. So oh, thank I, you. That's a good resource as well. Thanks guys. It was so fun hanging out and talking. Thank yeah. You so much again for doing this. Um, yeah. It's been awesome. Have a great week. Week yeah, everyone. You too. Bye.